0: You have 24 minutes. Today, I am speaking with Will Straw. Dr. Straw is an author, researcher, speaker, nightologist, cinephile, and professor of urban media studies at McGill University in Montreal. Will also has a host of other academic credentials which would take all of these 24 minutes to cover. So instead, we will just give you a link at the end of this podcast. My name is Randall White, host and curator for 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation. Find us online at 24hournation.com and on social at 24hournation. And now here's 24 Minutes with Will Straw. One simply does not want to. To embrace the knowledge and potential of the urban night on this planet without following Dr. Straw. So it's nice to finally meet you and talk right with you So without you knowing it from you, I have learned about strategies and politics and actions and results in the nighttime economies ranging from China and Australia to Morocco and Ireland and all points in between, not just nightlife. But other aspects um, for people to consider if they're interested in the other half of the day, how did you get from wherever you were as a child to the worldview you have now and the interest you have?
1: Well, it's an interesting question, because I when I look back at my long academic career and I say it long because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a young man. Um, and how, you know, most of what I have the privilege or the, the, the luck to basically study what were my loves and hobbies anyway. So I when I was interested in film, I was I was interested, I realized, in like moody nighttime crime films. When I was interested in music, I was interested in dance music and the kinds of things you do in clubs. I collect old magazines and I'm always interested in like uh, nightlife gossip columns, ah. like to Walter Winchell in the 1930s, for the <laughs> those who know who he is. And, I, and then, you know, at a certain point, I realized that um, first that, yeah, most of this has to do with the night. Um, and then about 15 years ago, I mean, you know, of course, there's always been night, but people started writing histories of the night and they started doing uh, books about nighttime economies. And all of a sudden, these people started talking to each other. And I found myself in the middle of this very exciting, emerging academic and not just academic community that we call night study. So, you know, it's been the most exciting part of my life and career, this whole thing, emergence of the night and as a, As something people study, as something governments look at, and so on.
0: So, so your research then, I guess, includes an academic look at music and the development of local music scenes, particularly in Canada, where uh, McGill University is located and 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 the way in which nighttime cities are governed and et cetera. There's also this wonderful, as you reference, this wonderful intersection with cinema and journalism, and fiction, and for, for example, a couple of which you just almost referenced it a couple of weeks ago, you shared a video link with some film grabs of neon signs from nightclubs and restaurant signs in movies. And I'm just sitting here transfixed, because <laughs> I am your spirit animal on that level. That enthralls me as much. So tell us about the notion of nighttime studies. Is this an academic track? Can somebody get a degree in at McGill and night? studies
1: no i mean there's no department of night studies yet um, You know, I was on a thesis committee, Adriana Sejas, who's a major figure writing about nighttime governance. She did a PhD in urban studies at uh, Harvard. And of course, they let her uh, write about night. I have students now who write about um, nighttime culture in Montreal. Um, I had a postdoctoral fellow, Jess Rea, who's now at UVA in Virginia, who works on cities and how they can get data about the night. Um, So it's becoming accepted as something you can study. But there are no, you know. There are no institutes or things like that.
0: You, Are we headed that way? Do you think? it? And if so, where's that going to pop up first? Or is it really just not the um, energy for that yet?
1: Well, I don't think it's going to be a separate thing because you can study it anyways. In art history now, right. people are studying the history of the nocturne in painting. How do you paint the night? In urban studies, I think that's where it's really going to take root because it's, you know, we start to think, we used to think of cities just in terms of space, like how big are they and how are they divided? Now we think of them more and more in terms of time, like what happens during the day and what happens at night. And that has become a very legitimate part of what urban planners, for example, study. But I don't think you need a new, um, you know, it's like when they have nightmares in cities, people say, oh, are we going to have a day mayor now? Well, are we, if we're going to have night studies, does that mean we have to have day studies? Yeah.
0: Well, that's but an interesting thats an interesting point. There seems to be, as I've talked with other people for this uh, 24-minute podcast series, I've i have spoken with people who are a little concerned about this kind of mm, almost animosity that's developed between so much attention going toward the night when, well, let's focus on the day, like you just said. Have you had any sense of that?
1: Well, I mean, uh, people have always paid attention to the day. They just didn't know they were doing it. I mean, the mayor who sits there <laughs> and only, you know, doesn't go out at night and doesn't really know what goes on and leaves the night to the police um, is really being a day mayor, but they're not going to admit it. They think they're the mayor of, of all the time. And so and when economists talk about what goes on in cities, you know, in New York in the 1940s, they'd look at Wall Street and they'd look at industry and they wouldn't even count the money that gets spent or the work that goes on during the night. So people have always been studying the day. They just didn't admit it.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. The uh, another point you just made a a bit ago talking about the representation of the night and other media, Uh, I was very intrigued by um, an online workshop that's coming up or a discussion that's coming up out of Berlin where uh, um, an individual is going to be showing great works of art from the 18th And 19th centuries, it depicts how light is used at night in various European capitals. That's the whole focus. I've, I was transfixed by the idea of that.
1: Well, you could write a history of all the visual arts in terms of lighting technology. I mean, cinema, you know, so in the 1940s, you have these moody crime films that we call film noir. Well, people have pointed out that studios were under these restrictions on the electricity they could use during World War II. And so you turn down the lights. Now, that doesn't explain everything about film noir, but we can start to think of a history of these things in terms of everybody lives in a world where what you see is determined by the state of lighting technology and electricity and power or energy, and before that by candle, gas and so on. Can we now write a history of visual arts in terms of its connection to those things?
0: Have you found that, that 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 same kind of philosophy about saving electricity from that particular time in, in, in the North American history also influenced other narrative forms? Like in addition to film, did it did it create the whole noir feel in writing or in? comic books?
1: Well, that, that would be a good question. I mean, uh, people more expert in those things than me can maybe look at it. You don't want to do draw too much of a connection because, you know, comic books, a bright color, as far as I know, isn't any more expensive to ink than a, a lesser color. Or sure, I
0: guess you're right. I guess you're right. What's been the biggest personal discovery you've had lately when you've when you've I, I know you shared something from one of the world fairs, I think, just recently today that you what's something else that you've just come across in popular culture that seems to excite you in in looking at the the whole nighttime scene.
1: I'm really interested in is it seems to me that for the last three or four years, there have been many, many more films that have night in the title. Now, you know, you go back in IMDb and, and play around there, of course, there have always been films. But I just see so many films coming from here and there um, that are called Nocturne or Nocturne Number no. 2 or Night or The Night of This or The Night of That or um, Midnight. Um, and there's something going on at the Berlin Film Festival last year. This is one of the top critics says that there's something going on here about the night. It's as if we're trying to get our revenge on COVID that closed down our nights by by just making many more films in the night. So I'm, I really want to continue. And, I, you know, I've been watching Dozens and dozens of films that are set in the night, and especially what I'm really interested in are films that take place in one night, of which, you know, we can think of famous ones like American Graffiti and so on, but there are lots of little ones, and that interests me.
0: Something that just takes place over the course of one evening. Yeah. Ah, ah, like wait until dark. The, isn't yeah. that the, the, the classic American film, I think. So you recently but directed
1: ret- by a Canadian, I
0: believe. Okay, they, here <laughs> go. There you go. My my bow I bow to our neighbors okay. to the north. The uh, you recently returned from a conference, I think, in Dublin, other than talking about the airport a bit. Did, what was the focus of the conference and how did it relate to the night?
1: Well, it was interesting. So it was called queer, erotic urban nights. Now, the first thing my friends say is, yeah, so why did they invite you? Um, but it was about it was everything from um, I mean the word queer was used in in a very broad, loose sense. So I mean it certainly referred to sexual identity, but also just to strangeness. I mean the whole question of you know does the night make any kind of experience a little bit different, a little bit subversive? So there were papers on everything from you know uh, nightclubs in um, Berlin um, through to a, a woman character who was in a lot of of Turkish movies and novels, who is a kind of strange figure of the night. I did a paper on this scandal magazine from the 1920s I've been researching called Broadway Brevities, where they had a series in 1924 called Nights in Fairyland, where the author would venture out to explore... um, um, gay, lesbian life in New York. So the, it was a really interesting um, conference. And it just, sh- and you know, five days before that, I was in Leiden in the Netherlands at a conference on night and migration. Um, ah. so how does you know, the role of migrants and immigrants and refugees, have, They you know, they have to adapt to cities. How do they adapt to the night? Um, are they part of the night culture? You know, well, obviously they are in lots of ways. You know, Rotterdam is full of musicians from Cape Verde and so on,
0: so. Well, in the in America, in the Americas, where our workforce at night is largely um, fueled by the migrant culture, uh, many times people in their second jobs and uh, the folks who work by day don't necessarily embrace that or are aware of that or can respond to that in a way that's um, culturally relevant. So uh, that raised another interesting point. The, you're you're try you travel a lot and you speak and you're invited to speak and you 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 use I guess the filter of urban culture and urban night and its representation in popular culture. What's coming up for you? Uh, you you're headed back to speak again or?
1: Well, I mean, I guess the next I'm actually I was going to say I'm not traveling, but next week I'm going to Bucharest in Romania. And there is a big conference of what's called the Network for European Cinema Study. So it's a big thing. And, uh, you know, I had to submit a proposal like everybody else. I'm not invited, but I'm going to give something a a talk about this thing, about whether there's a lot going on in cinema about the night more so. And whether that's has something to do with coming out of covid, Um, you know, films take years to make. So a lot of them were planned before the pandemic, but um, so I got to do that, and then. In October, there's the third annual, but first in person, big conference, International Conference of Night Studies in Lisbon. And uh, I hope to go to that.
0: Um, That would be fascinating. I would love to make the circuit on those as well. I want to turn attention just a little bit here to the Urban Night, your feed, your um, online feed that appears, I don't know the technology behind it, it appears to grab and share nighttime news from really around the planet. It's kind of a research endeavor multi-university study that it sounds like a it sounds like it might be to a civilian's ear, sounds like it might be just something of interest to historians and sociologists and anthropologists. I don't know. But to me it is like a browsing library of innovations and mysteries. Talk about the urban night. How did that come about and what do you see it doing? Well, and I'm glad
1: you noticed it. So I, I do have this website, theurbannight.com, that originally came out of, uh, I mean, in Canada, we have quite a bit of funding for research projects and they like it if you work in teams. So with some colleagues at different universities, we had a project for three years on the urban night and we did you know, lots of things. But I so I started this website now, the funding for the project ended. So I basically do it on my own. But what um, I started was I just started doing Google searches every day in the languages that I can more or less read English, French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese. I mean, some of those I can speak better than others. Um, and put in a bunch of search terms. And, um, you know, so I sort of get news about night at a time when, you know, like for example, this month it's Ireland. Ireland is doing all of this stuff about the night. Vietnam yes, is. Right. Vietnam is really interested in its uh, nighttime economy. And so what I do is basically I get the, the Google search, I click on the item and I have a little button that the WordPress platform um, gives me that instantly tweets the thing and puts it up on the site. Um, So um, now if nobody read it, It would be a very useful library and archive for me because it's just a way of everyday keeping these things. But you know, some people, other people, read it. And then I also have a a, a, most of the pages news that I sort of paste up. I'm not, you know, I'm not the world's greatest designer, but news about books or conferences and so on. But it's really tracking the news. And now, so I can, you know, if you ask me about safety in nightclubs, I punch in safety and it searches all of the newspaper media articles that I've accumulated over seven or eight years now. And so, I hope it's useful for me. Well,
0: I have to tell you, I I do read nearly every single one that comes across and thank God for Google Translate. You know, yeah, I, will, yeah. I will grab the first paragraph, pop it into Google Translate. And go, Oh, yeah, no, this is particularly interesting. I want to find out what they are doing in, you know, Shanghai. Yeah, so, yeah. Speaking of that, uh, China, not unlike Vietnam, has suddenly thrown a lot of energy towards its nighttime economy. And what is that about, do you think? Is it a show piece? Because the world kind of looked at China last year with the Olympics and all or is it really they're trying to find other economic footing
1: i think they're trying to find i mean their economic footing and basically they've even said this is that for the economy to expand um people have got to be spending money through more of the 24 hour cycle of day and night and so um and there's a big emphasis in recent chinese policy on internal consumption not just making goods and selling them abroad which obviously was limited during the pandemic. So if you can convince the population to go out and spend a lot more money at night um, and if you can encourage or force cities to loosen the restrictions on nighttime drinking and restaurants and and festivals and so on, the argument is that just creates more economic activity.
0: Well, sure and true. I think in the states in particular, where we've had so much urban sprawl, the, the push has been to kind of spread out. And now the thinking is don't spread out in terms of geography, spread out in terms of time Uh that Uh we build up and we build later and to kind of create a different kind of urban dynamic With, with so much global attention now. And it does seem like even since I started paying attention seven years ago to the nighttime economy, the sociable economy, whoever puts whatever label on it, with so much attention going to that, what are a couple of friends you see right now that you believe are transformative in any city or urban discussion? Well,
1: you know, the thing that's most interested me and I, cause I go to Mexico city a lot. Um, my favorite city after Montreal is um, taking Things like bookstores, um, cinemas, and well, cinemas were always open at night, but uh, but um, bookstores and museums having the, the used to often you know close at supper time. Sure. Um, not just having them open one day a week, but creating these kind of festivals around them. Basically, I think that if you take any cultural genre or form uh, like gallery art and galleries, and add sociability to it, have a bar. Uh, if you have a bookstore, have open a bar um, or create a book festival um all of these ways in which you know nightlife where you drink and and stand around and talk or dance and you know sort of high culture stuff where you buy books or go to galleries or listen to classical music if you can bring them sort of together if you can make um fun and you know drinking if people are into that part of the experience of of nighttime culture i think that's um, exciting montreal you know we're all used to cinemas, movie houses closing. Well, Montreal now has a couple of new ones and they have um, bars and there's a bar scene and people hang out. And I think that's the future of art forms like cinema. But I think it could be the future of night as well. So that's these kind of hybrid spaces, I think, are the thing that um, interests me most. Um you know, I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, I was just just before the pandemic, Montreal downtown. There was this opening of three food halls. I mean, right. not food courts, like the, the, the yeah, whole yeah. hall, but like these. <laughs> there's a timeout one. There's a place where a whole bunch of restaurants have sort of little stands.
0: There's good wine, and I think that's there's a kind of future in that. Well, again, too, as we're recovering or coming out of the worst of the pandemic. This desire to get back together. To me, it seems yeah. like the night is almost the solution.
1: Yeah. It well, it was the first th- victim of the pandemic. i would sure. Say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I'm Sarah Thompson in Bangor, Maine, or I am Raul Garcia in El Paso. And these are both cities that have reasonable kind of sociable areas by day, but by night begin to wane. I'm Sarah or I'm Raul, and I'm beginning to want to organize community or elected official interest in a more strategic approach to boosting and improving my city's nighttime culture. What's the most important message you could give them that they could carry and make people go, I get it.
1: Well, I think what you would do is tell them all the cities that are doing it. It's a little bit like creative cities, you know, uh, 15 years ago or 20 years ago. I you know, some city people had read Richard Florida or somebody on the need to have creative districts. Now there's no city, small or big, that doesn't have a Cultural plan or a cultural um, vision. I think that's starting to happen with night. I mean, ten years ago, I could get a laugh by just mentioning that some cities had night mayors. Now, any city, if they don't have one, they've heard, the, you know that down the road or over in Berlin or France or Washington DC or Detroit or New York, there's somebody that's like a nightmare. So I think, you know, finding the person in the city government who knows about that, um, that's how you begin to, to make the case.
0: I love that. Well, I look forward to future conversations with you. I do I am a huge fan. Um, um, Likewise. <laughs> and um, for the first time, for example, um, I spoke with Matthew um, mm-hmm. with uh, Montreal 2424. And he said, oh, uh, Will Straw. And I thought, well, yeah, I've already discovered Will. So <laughs> uh, as this network of international um, acolytes of the nighttime economy and the potential of the night, and then particularly with your spin of how it um, intersects with, um, uh, narrative forms, film, literature, um, even music. I will continue to follow and I will invite others to do so too. They can go to willstraw.com. You're also on Twitter at W Straw, uh, or they can go to uh, the Urban Night dot com. That's, again, my daily source of nourishment of what's happening. And if they really want to learn more about you academically, they can go to mcgill.ca and ferret out the art history. And And they can write to me. I'm happy to hear from people. And that's wonderful. Will, thank you for uh, spending some time with us on 24 Hour Nations uh, podcast. And uh, I look forward to talking with you again soon. Okay. Thank you, Randall.
1: And keep up the amazing work you're doing.
0: This has been Season 1, Episode 7 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation at 24HourNation.com.